Hello, and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. Well, this past week, Jason was continuing his series on Doors of the Bible. This is kind of a a takeoff of our VBS this past June, where the children here studied the doors of the Bible. And so we are going through the different uh, lessons that the children learn on the adult scale. And so, so far, we've talked about the door of the ark, the ark door. We've talked about the Passover door and the sheep door. And this past time, we talked about the door of the tomb, the tomb door, and the resurrection of Jesus. And that is the pivotal, most important part of the Bible. Uh, Had Jesus come and lived a good life, left a good example, but that was it, then that doesn't help us much. And so the Old Testament points to that cross. The New Testament looks back to that cross And as Paul would say in Romans chapter 1, verse 4, that God demonstrated his love and his power by the resurrection of Jesus. And that is the key. And so, Jason, let's go back through this lesson just a little bit, and then we're going to kind of take off some questions. It's a great lesson. It's on our website, and this is something that you got to get. If you don't get this, you miss what the Bible's all about. And so uh, this is a very, very essential lesson. It's a very important lesson as we think about our walk with the Lord. Yeah, I, uh, I, I really wanted, I thought seriously about showing some pictures of the tomb door that we had uh, back in June, but uh, I, I know the ladies that decorated that, and I, I, I didn't want to embarrass them, but uh, we had shared pictures back in June uh, far and wide. There was so much work that went on, and one of the highlights of VBS was what we called the tomb door. We had a classroom that had just been transformed into the inside of a tomb, and it made an impression on our kids for sure, but I hope that our time in Matthew 27 and beyond made an impression on our adults this past Sunday morning. I just kind of walked through, beginning in Matthew 27, what Friday looked like. You and I, Roger, may talk a little bit more about this. Uh, On Friday, the tomb was used and the door was shut. On Saturday, the tomb was sealed and guarded. And of course, even the very reason that we were gathered together on Sunday, uh, just a few days ago, the, the reason we refer to it as the Lord's Day is because the tomb was visited on Sunday and it was found to be empty. And the middle part of our lesson, kind of the way you prepped us a moment ago, just explored using 1 Corinthians 15. Okay, is that really that big of a deal? What would be true if that tomb door had stayed shut? And Paul uh, walks us through that hypothetical scenario in 1 Corinthians 15. He says in verse 14, if that tomb door had stayed shut, our preaching and your faith is in vain. Verse 15, he says, we're misrepresenting God. 17, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. 18, those who have fallen asleep, those we would say who have experienced physical death, they've just 
perished. And in verse 19, if that tomb door had stayed shut, we are of all people most to be pitied. But he says in the next verse, of course, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. So the third act, if you will, of our sermon was to lean on John chapter 5. What's that mean for us? What can we know because that tomb door opened? And we just leaned on the words of Jesus from John 5. One day, Jesus is going to open all the tomb doors. As the Son of God, he's got the power to open those tomb doors. As the Son of Man, he's got the authority of, to judge those who come out. What I experienced then will depend on the way I lived during my time on this earth. And if I want to be raised to life then, I need to be raised to life now. So in a nutshell, I did a whole lot of leaning on Paul and Jesus and just tried to give voice to them. Absolutely. And how fitting, how complimentary that was to the class I taught right after that. And our classes are also recorded and, and on our website because in our auditorium class, we were talking about how things end and we were talking about ourselves, yeah. what will happen to us. And so we walked right through uh, Luke 16, the rich man, Lazarus, what happens at death. We didn't get done. So we're going to finish that up this coming week. But but that's something everyone faces. And and as a Christian, we look at death a lot differently than the world does, and the reason is because that tomb door opened. That changes everything. So just a couple of statements uh, you had made in your lesson that I wrote down, and then, then we're going to ask a, f- a couple other questions here. Um, you, you mentioned that there were several unexplainable things that took place. Yeah. Uh, well, like what? At the crucifixion, I think, was what I was highlighting when I, I said that. And, of course, uh, we can lean on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all have a couple of different details to throw in there. We know there was great darkness over all of the land for Matthew 27, verse 45, tells us from the sixth hour, we would say, noon, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour, we would say three o'clock p.m. And so for three hours, intense darkness. We know that verse 51, as Jesus takes his last breath, cries out, yields up his spirit, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook. The rocks were split. Verse 52, the tombs also were opened. Many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. It's all of these extraordinary things and more that move that centurion in verse 54, who had been keeping watch over Jesus. He sees the earthquake. He sees what took place. He's filled with awe. And he says, truly, this was the Son of God. This was no ordinary death. Absolutely. And, that, and that's the key thing. It's, it's like heaven really was recognizing this. And it's not like that. These, these Roman guards had seen death all the time, that they were the death squad. And so putting people to death was a regular job for them. But what happened is something that never happened before or after, and that made them really grab their attention, and that that's unique about that. Um, 
you also mentioned because this door opened, it makes sense of the other doors. Right. And I think you're talking about the Passover door and the sheep door and the ark door, the doors you've mentioned before. Right. Um, what does that mean? Yeah, well, I, we've tried to make this as simple as we can. I mean, as you mentioned, this started as material for vacation Bible school, but these are fundamental lessons. We've got a lot of new Christians. Thanks be to God in our, our church family. We've got a lot of teenagers. We, we all need not just to understand these basic truths, but to be able to share them. And so we tried to boil it down into some basic, basic key points. Sin is serious. We learned that from the ark door. Sin has devastating consequences. Uh, there are people who do not stand on the Lord's side. We learned that in the Passover door. There are adversaries even of our souls that are very real. Jesus warned as he taught us about the sheep door. He talked about wolves and uh, lions. He talked about thieves and robbers and, and people who are are simply out to devour the sheep. Um, all of that, no doubt, is worth thinking about. There are lessons that we can learn from that. At the end of all of them, we've come back to this central truth that God provides a door. He's not going to force me to walk through that door, but he always provides it. And yet, Really, it's all pointing to the tomb door. If if we didn't have the tomb door, maybe we know about Noah, maybe we don't, but um, on its own, it would simply be, I would suggest, uh, an incredible story about someone who lived a really long time ago. They stood against the odds. They delivered their family. Maybe God was involved. Maybe he wasn't, um, but I'm not sure what that has to do with me because my greatest problems haven't been solved yet. Or the Passover door. Well, I know this means a great deal to those who are are Jews. Uh, this is a part of their, their uh, national fabric, their identity. Uh, it's a great story of what happened a long time ago back in Egypt, but what does that have to do with me? I mean, I... I've never been told to put blood on a doorpost. The idea of shedding the blood of a lamb or having a lamb's blood shed for me, I'm not sure uh, how that relates to me. Or even the sheep door. These are the words of Jesus, right? And we know Jesus was a master storyteller. He was a provocative teacher. He he gave hope to people who were struggling to hope on so many different occasions. But if he lived and he died and he stayed dead, well, um, maybe he's in the same class as Abraham Lincoln or Socrates or Gandhi or Julius Caesar, whoever you want to talk about, great, great figures of history. But what I really tried to emphasize loud and clear on Sunday morning was if he came out of the tomb, everything that he said before and after matters. It doesn't just matter. It is 
authoritative for me, for you, for everybody. He paints clearly who he is and why we should listen to him. And the ultimate proof of that isn't just the ark door, the Passover, the sheep door. It's all pointing to the tomb door. And and he knew this going in. <clears throat> in John chapter 2, he, he said, uh, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. So yeah. So his death did not catch him off guard. His resurrection wasn't a, supply, a surprise. All of this was planned. All of this he knew in advance. It shows that he is God on earth, and he has the authority to do these things. And that's, that's just really powerful right. about that. You know, at the end of your sermon, when you went to John 5, <clears throat> you made the statement there uh, based on verse 28 and 29 that all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. Right. Um, I think I think there's a, a common thought today that only the righteous people will live on. And so if I'm not righteous, if I choose to live a life ignoring God, being selfish, engaging in sin and staying there, well, I just won't get eternity, but yeah. that's okay. Yeah. I'll just I'll just live here and when I die I'll be like my dog, I'll be dead all over and that's just that's just <laughs> fine, you know? And I think I think that's a common thought that a lot of people are coming to today. I think it's even being kind of emphasized among a lot of modern churches today. The yeah. the subject of everybody being raised simply isn't talked about. So so kind of kind of stretch that for me a little bit. Yeah. Well, there are other places that we could go, but we don't have to go anywhere else because in John chapter five. Jesus really is talking about, I would suggest, and we, we uh, explored it a little in the back third of the sermon, two different resurrections, right? A resurrection of newness of life from sin. Romans chapter 6 helps us to understand that. That's what Jesus is talking about in John five twenty five. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, listen, and is now here. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. I, I think that's exactly what Paul is talking about in Romans 6. We are dead in our sins, our trespasses. He talks about that all over his letters. And if I am willing to listen to Jesus and... Romans 6, be buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. That is a resurrection, right? And that's what we meant at the end of the sermon. I need to be raised to life now. But to your question, if if I choose not to do that, if I just choose to live however way I want to live, as selfishly as I want to live, as rebelliously against God as I want to live, the best I could possibly hope for is to live and die and cease to exist. Because I'm really not accountable. I mean, you think of the men and women who have done the most devastatingly horrific things in the history of the human race. There is very little, if any, accountability for so many of them on this side of the grave. And the best they could possibly hope for is to live, do whatever whatever they want to live, whatever harm they want to inflict, and they die, and that's the end. But... 
that is not what the man who came out of the tomb door said. Listen in verse 28. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming. Now, he, he doesn't say, and he's now here. That was the first. This is something still to come. An hour is coming when all who are in the tombs, all who are in the tombs, will hear his voice and come out. And here, I think, is the definitive answer to your question. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Those who've done good, those who have done evil are all going to come out. Those who receive this resurrection of judgment, verse 27, Jesus has been given authority to execute that judgment. It's not just Christians who are going to come out of the grave. And and before that, what that means is the Bible applies to all of us. Yeah. Uh, whether I whether I own a Bible or not, whether I read a Bible or not, whether I like the Bible or not, I mean, I can just shut this up and, and throw it on the shelf and say, well, that's not for me. It's still going to apply to me. And there, there's no getting around that. And that, that powerful expression, all who are in the tombs will come forth, identifies that I, I need to get in that book, and yeah. I need to know what God wants me to do. Yeah. And that's that's so important with that. Well, back, back to uh, an earlier part of your lesson, this is something that comes up quite a bit when we think about the timetable here, because you talked about Friday, what happened. Uh, Jesus was put in the tomb, and the door was shut. On Saturday, that door was sealed, and then on Sunday, that door was opened and Jesus came out. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. And for a lot of people, he wasn't didn't seem to be in that grave very long on Sunday. And so when we talk about Jesus b- being in the grave for three days, a lot of people think, well, maybe it happened Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then he rose Sunday. And the timetable is a little bit hard for some people yeah. to figure this out. Yeah, I have listened. I, I remember a few years ago, I listened to an hour-long lecture <laughs> on what day was Jesus crucified. And and ultimately, I mean, the fact that he died and was buried and raised that's what matters most. And so I, I don't want someone to feel like, well, I, you know, I'm just really not sure on whether or not it was Thursday or Friday. I like to keep things just as simple as possible. This is a deep rabbit hole that you can dive into. Uh, big point number one is to remember this is a Jew in Matthew writing to Jews uh, with his gospel, and those Jews keep time, even to this day, in many uh, Orthodox circles, in a different way than you and I are accustomed to. In our culture, um, Thursday morning is going to begin at 12 o'clock a.m., right? Midnight. That is when uh, our Thursday would begin, stretching all the way back to the first few pages of our Bibles and creation. Jews reckon time uh, based on sunset, 
right? When the sun sets, that is the end of one day and the beginning of another day. That is why all the way back in Genesis 1 and 2, we read things like there was evening and morning the first day. There was evening and morning the second day, so on and so forth. So let's keep it real simple. If your Bible is open to Matthew 27 and Matthew 28, we know Matthew 28 verse 1, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week. So we're dealing with Sunday. Very, very little, if any, dispute that Jesus came out of the grave on Sunday, first day of the week, right? After the Sabbath, we are told in Matthew 28, the Sabbath was Saturday, the seventh day of the week, right? And I would suggest we can keep this really, really simple if we look up just a few verses to Matthew 27, verse 62. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate. What are we talking about there? Well, the day before the day of preparation would be Friday. So as we're thinking about you, you said, well, maybe someone has in mind, Jesus really wasn't in the tomb very long on the third day on Sunday. But when we remember that what we call Sunday began at sunset on what we would call Saturday evening, in fact, Sunday had been going perhaps halfway done by the time Jesus comes out of the grave or very close to it. And so I, I, what makes the simplest sense to me is he dies on Friday, he's in the tomb on Saturday, he comes out of the tomb on Saturday. Absolutely. And I think sometimes when we see the three days, we, we expect it to be three 24 hour days. Yeah. And, and that's, and, and we don't work that way. I mean, I rent a lot of cars. If I go in to pick up a rental car at three o'clock on Friday, they're charging me for Friday. Yeah. They're going to charge me all day Saturday. If I take it back Sunday afternoon, they charge me on Sunday. If you don't watch your receipt, they may charge you an extra day just for fun. (laughs) They do. (laughs) They do. And so you might say, well, I didn't have the car for three days. Well, and they're thinking they did. I did. And in this way, Jesus was in the tomb three days, not 24 hours, but three days. He was in there on Friday. He was in there on Saturday. He came out on Sunday. And and that helps us with that. And so uh, great thoughts, great lesson as we think about the idea of the resurrection. We think about that tomb being opened. Uh, What a a just a fantastic thought that is in our Bible. Uh, Satan thought he had won, and he didn't. And the crushing blow to that serpent way back in the book of Genesis was that tomb opened and out came Jesus. The greatest power Satan has is death. And Jesus overcame death. And so shall we by our faith in the Lord. That really makes a great thing. One of the statements as we kind of wrap this up that you, that you mentioned is, what is the worst thing that death can do for a believer? Yeah. For an unbeliever, it's to, usher you into the presence of God who created you and you're unprepared, right? But to lean on Paul, to live as Christ, to die as gate, it is far better to go and be with the Lord. So what's the worst that death can do? It makes my life infinitely better by bringing me to the Lord so that I can be 
with the Lord. Roger, you mentioned uh, Satan thinking that he had won the ultimate victory. We know Jesus, of course, has won the decisive battle. The war is won. Now, battles continue, and in many ways, that kind of sets us up for this evening, right? The next lesson in our summer series. Absolutely. We're we're doing the theme here in July and August on Wednesday nights. We're inviting guest preachers in from afar, and we're looking at that OHIM higher ground. And tonight we have Scott Beyer from the Louisville area coming in to speak to us. And from that hymn, Higher Ground, he's going to talk about Satan's darts at me are hurled. And so that will be tonight at 7 o'clock. We welcome you to be with us or join in with us uh, if you can't be here in presence. But what a great, great study that will be as Satan tries to nail us to the wall, but Jesus gives us the hope. What about Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m.? Sunday morning, we're going to visit the book of Esther. And we're going to talk about the little phrase, why me? A lot of times we ask that question, why me? And we're going to chase that uh, idea through the Bible, through different people. But we see that sometimes God has just chosen us to do something. And we need to see how important that is. I've got the opportunity Sunday evening, Lord willing, 5 o'clock p.m. Going to round this little five-part series up, Doors of the Bible. We've talked the tomb door, the Passover door, the sheep door, the tomb door. I, I think I got that wrong. The ark door is where we started. Lots of doors. The Passover door, the sheep door, the tomb door. And Lord willing, this Friday, we're going to wrap it up with the next narrow door that leads to life. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week. We would love to see you then. We would love to see you this evening, 7 o'clock p.m. Lots of opportunities. We would love to have you come and grow with us.